It's April 6th, 2014, and 70,000 fans are packed inside the Superdome in New Orleans. Just minutes before the opening match of WrestleMania 30, there is an electric atmosphere inside the famed dome. The fans inside are expressing their collective support for one man, Daniel Bryan. Before the first notes of Ride of the Valkyries even usher Bryan into the arena, the Yes chant absorbs the stadium. When the undersized hero steps out from behind the Tron, the crowd noise intensifies even more. Unlike most story arcs that culminate at WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan had one final obstacle waiting for him in the ring. Triple H, the face of the hated authority, was hell-bent on disappointing each and every fan inside the Superdome, and everyone watching at home on pay-per-view. Bryan would have to conquer the game just to earn a spot in the main event, and a chance at winning the World Heavyweight title later that night. The challenge waiting for him in the ring was just the next in a never-ending line of obstacles and setbacks that defined Bryan's long and winding journey toward WrestleMania. In August of 2013, Bryan defeated John Cena to become World Heavyweight Champion for the first time. It took him almost 30 minutes to pin Cena's shoulders to the mat, and less than 5 minutes to become the former World Champion. After the match, the special referee, Triple H, hit Bryan with a pedigree to facilitate Randy Orton cashing in his Money in the Bank contract and leaving SummerSlam with the title. In a story that was equal part fiction and reality, Triple H became the fictional voice of Vince McMahon's real-life sentiments. Daniel Bryan was too small, too odd-looking, too indie, too not-WWE to become the supreme hero of the promotion. Over the next six months, Bryan would endure unfair gauntlet matches, frustrating outside interference, and rigged stipulations in his fictional struggle. At the same time, in reality, he'd have to overcome damning booking, angle changes, and generally unpopular creative. Like an ally rushing to the ring to even the odds in an unfair fight, the fans refused to accept Bryan's fate and forced McMahon's hand. Bryan would, of course, overcome the last stipulation put in front of him. He forced Triple H to submit and earned a spot in the main event against Batista and Randy Orton. Roughly three hours later, confetti showered the Superdome as a victorious Bryant raised the World Heavyweight title and the WWE title high above his head. The deafening roar of the elated fans persisted long after the sound of the final bell. After six months of endless obstacles, infuriating swerves, devastating defeats, it appeared like a hopeless endeavor. But there Brian stood, in the middle of the ring, at the most important show of the year, victorious. The journey was finally over, and it never felt so good. Pro wrestling is an art form predicated on visceral reactions. The performance must extract meaningful emotion from the audience if it's to be successful. Stories must be constructed in a way that allows the audience to truly invest in a character's victory. The hero pillar of the pro wrestling storytelling construct 
is responsible for providing the audience with a primary rooting interest. The job of a babyface is to make a wrestling hero and the audience one in the same, to make the audience feel as though a hero's victory is their victory. Creating a compelling pro wrestling hero takes a number of physical and psychological ingredients. It's a delicate recipe that requires both strength and vulnerability. When done well, those heroes can create a lasting bond with the audience and solicit amazing responses that make knees shake and domes rumble. From Wrestling With Art, my name is Barry Hess, and this is The Four Pillars, Part 1, Mythology and the Hero's Journey. The Wrestling With Art podcast is distributed by Anchor, powered by Spotify. Visit anchor.fm slash wrestlingwithart to find episode listings, learn more about the show, and send feedback on this episode and others. You can donate to the show using the support tab on the homepage. Help fund the hours of research, writing, and editing it takes to produce the show with a donation as small as 99 cents. That's anchor.fm slash wrestlingwithart. Joseph Campbell is not someone commonly associated with the pro wrestling industry. The 20th century American scholar is best known for his groundbreaking work in comparative mythology and the complexities of the human experience. Much of Campbell's work was built upon the research of the 19th century analytical psychologist Carl Jung. He theorized that a posited cognitive structure exists in all human beings this in spite of unique physical and psychological qualities determined by one's genetics or outside variables like the environment in which they inhabit. The presence of a singular cognitive structure, according to Jung and Campbell, allows mankind to share a collective unconscious described as psychic unity. Campbell advanced the theory of psychic unity in his 1949 book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, using mythology as the primary evidence to support his hypothesis. In the book, Campbell explains, quote, the symbols of mythology are not manufactured. They cannot be ordered, invented, or permanently suppressed. They are spontaneous productions of the psyche, end quote. Campbell believed that mythology was the manifestation of the deepest parts of the human subconscious form of expression that revealed timeless truths pertaining to the yearnings, fears, and aspirations common to every individual. I know what you're thinking. What does any of this have to do with pro wrestling? How's that for psychic unity? Pro wrestling is arguably mythology's closest living relative. The two mediums employ many of the same themes, motifs, and symbolic metaphors to advance a narrative. Homer's The Iliad even tells the tale of a wrestling match of true mythological proportions between Telamonian Ajax and Odysseus during the infamous nine-year war between the Greeks and Trojans. Ajax was touted as the greatest warrior to walk the earth outside of Achilles, while Odysseus was considered a most wily and cunning competitor. The epic confrontation may well be the first schmaz finish in recorded history, Achilles intervened in the match before a true winner could be declared. Perhaps they were just priming the audience for the rematch on the ancient version of pay-per-view. 
The notion of good things happening to good people, bad things happening to bad people, speaks to an ethical code found in a variety of myths and religious texts. This concept is the bedrock of pro wrestling character types. Babyfaces, the heroes, typically represent an incorruptible moral authority, while heels lack the existence of any redeemable qualities. The presence of an ethical code provides babyface characters with an unsullied integrity that almost always allows them to prevail over evil. Contrarily, the perils of hubris, which are explicitly examined in a variety of myths, most notably in the Greek myth of Niobe, often prove to be the downfall of overconfident heel characters with untamed egos. John Cena is an excellent modern example of this concept penetrating pro wrestling storytelling. Cena's character is driven by three basic ideas, hustle, loyalty, and respect. Everything Cena achieved during the decade he was WWE's supreme hero is represented by his unwavering belief in those three ideas. Those beliefs served him well in battles against arrogant heels like Edge, Triple H, and AJ Styles. I stand before you a champion because I never have given up. Cena's got that fighting heart. I stand before you a champion because I have earned it. There's just absolutely no quit in John Cena. This is my life. This is my passion. This is all I got. There's not a superstar today that generates the emotion out of our fans like John Cena does. I stand before a nation that goes to battle with me. I will not let them down. The concept of fate which is particularly prevalent in Greek mythology, is another example of the connective tissue between mythology and pro wrestling. Attempting to alter one's fate was portrayed throughout Greek mythology as an impossible task, something even Zeus himself could not achieve. Pro wrestling storytellers often use the idea of fate to flip the script on the audience based on mythology's inherent influence on modern society. Contrary to Greek mythology, which ascribed the person's fate to the will of three goddess sisters, the concept of successfully altering one's fate is a staple in pro wrestling storytelling. Using this reverse psychology of sorts, bookers can elevate the audience's perception of a babyface and enhance the stakes of a story. Rey Mysterio's ascension to WWE Heavyweight Champion in 2006, in spite of his cruiserweight frame, is a prime example. Mysterio successfully altered his fate by winning the Royal Rumble match ultimately defeating two larger heavyweight opponents for the championship at WrestleMania 22. Pro wrestling's conflicting view on fate, or destiny as it's more commonly referred to in wrestling lexicon, creates a larger-than-life aura around the character, an unspecified magic that allows them to be perceived as someone beyond their normal limits of the universe. Along similar lines, many pro wrestling characters bear a striking figurative resemblance to mythological characters. Performers like Hercules Hernandez, Tony Atlas, and the Ultimate Warrior drew close parallels to mythological deities. Monster heel characters like Abdullah the Butcher, Kamala, Giant Gonzalez, and Yokozuna posed as dangerous obstacles for babyfaces, like the monsters faced by Odysseus on his tumultuous journey back to Ithaca. Finn Balor is one of the more interesting examples of this marriage between pro wrestling and mythology. The popular wrestler from Ireland combined two of his nation's greatest mythological characters, the hero Finn McCool, 
and the monster known as Balor, to create a unique character able to assume the role of both man and demon. Seth Rollins, I think you have some misconceptions about me. What you call disrespect, I call honesty. What you call arrogance, I call confidence. And what you call ignorance, I call that irony. I know your history, Seth. Do you know mine? Do you know about the legends and the myths? Do you know about the Tuha they do not? who burned their ships once they landed ashore so there would be no chance of retreat? How about my namesake, Finn McCool? He was a giant who threw a piece of Ireland into the sea it made the Isle of Man. He was a hero who stabbed his own face with his own poisonous spear to survive the sleeping song of Aileen the Burner and save the city of Tara. And what about the monsters, Seth? The Dullahan? What about the Banshees, Seth, whose wails signal the end? Do you hear them screaming? And what about the worst of them all? The King of the Demons, Balor. Do you know who Balor is, Seth? Do you know what he does? When his evil eye opens, the world ends. First the grass burns, then the seas boil, then the air catches fire and all of humanity falls. These are not just stories, Seth. They are a source of power. When a warrior enters a great battle, when he knows that his limbs and his flesh are not enough, he can tap into the power of these creatures and become a man greater than himself. He can become a myth. Now I know you have your demons, Seth, but you've never seen a demon like this. At SummerSlam, you'll meet the Demon King. The most important link between pro wrestling and mythology is the journey concept. This brings us back to Joseph Campbell and his unintentional influence on pro wrestling's heroes. In his attempt to prove the theory of psychic unity, Campbell studied a wide selection of myths, legends, and religious scriptures. He identified an undeniable narrative pattern. Based on his extensive research, Campbell concluded that all myths were variations of a greater singular narrative, mankind's unconscious attempt to make the world transparent to transcendence. In layman's terms, Campbell believed human civilization unconsciously created a singular narrative structure for the purpose of explaining that which could not otherwise be explained, thus proving the theory of psychic unity to be accurate. Campbell found significant evidence of the application of the monomyth from both a metaphysical and sociological perspective. Ritualistic being statements designed to offer some semblance of understanding to societies incapable of grasping the complexities of their world, or to promote conformity amidst a variety of strict social orders. The most common application of the monomyth narrative, however, was to assist the process of psychological development 
Using mythological symbolism as a powerful catalyst, one's unconscious personality could be integrated with their conscious personality to form their true personality. The activation of the unconscious portion of the psyche is a critical step in allowing an individual to tap into unrealized potential he or she may have. This psychological integration process provides an individual with the opportunity to transform into a better version of themselves. Campbell described the integration of the unconscious with conscious thought as the pathway to bliss. While pro wrestling storytelling certainly draws from all applications of the monomyth, it's fair to say that Campbell's notion of a pathway to bliss is the strongest link between the two platforms. For pro wrestling fans, the pathway to bliss is described as the suspension of disbelief. The psychological integration of the audience's perception of reality and fantasy. The suspension of disbelief is the most important function of the monomyth in pro wrestling storytelling. It is the cultivation of the emotional investment the audience willingly provides a particular character within a story. Campbell's research stressed the universal presence of divine figures or demigods to facilitate the desired application of the monomyth. The non-human characters so closely associated with mythology and theology speak to the human race's unconscious belief that a greater world exists beyond the one we consciously recognize as reality. Articulating such penetrating material was no small task for the primitive civilizations originally responsible for the monomyth. The entities depicted in the monomythic stories and the supernatural powers they possess are, in fact, well-placed metaphors intended to capture the essence of the greater forces believed to exist. Christians, for example, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Campbell would define Christ as a symbolic metaphor for the relationship between man and God being one similar to that of a father and his son. The existence of a divine metaphor speaks to the truth a particular myth may attempt to explain. Truths like the changing of the seasons, the existence of the animal food chain, or the importance of the family unit. But how such truths were ultimately discovered by man speaks to the heart of Campbell's monomyth theory, the hero's journey. The hero's journey is the very essence of the formulaic narrative identified by Campbell. The hero, through great suffering or adversity, completes a journey in which some kind of external prize is obtained. In mythology, that prize is normally the acquisition of a fundamental truth. Why the seasons change. Why the animal food chain exists. Why the family unit stabilizes a community. In pro wrestling, the prize can be something tangible, like a championship. Or something more psychological, like obtaining justice, the righting of some sort of wrong that re-establishes the natural balance between good and evil within a promotion. Without a hero, there can be no emotional investment in a pro wrestling story. But heroes aren't born, they're made. How they're made speaks to the mechanics of Campbell's hero's journey. That process has also proven to be one of the lasting foundational pillars of pro wrestling storytelling. In pro wrestling, there are superstars of the present and legends of the past, but there is only one living legend. For two decades, Bruno Sammartino stood alone as an invaluable prototype. The solution 
to the equation that would redefine pro wrestling storytelling for an entire generation. But legends cast a large shadow, and for one man, living in such a shadow proved unbearable. The Shadow of a Living Legend is the story of Bruno Sammartino's remarkable career and his legendary feud with Larry Zbysko in 1980. Hear how the influential feud between Bruno and Larry rekindled Bruno's career and lit the Northeast wrestling scene on fire. Listen to The Shadow of a Living Legend, available now on the Wrestling With Art feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. Joseph Campbell meticulously dissected the hero's journey into 17 specific stages. Though not every stage is required in order for a narrative to qualify as a monomyth, more important than the presence of every stage is the manner in which a story is structured. In order to qualify as a monomyth, three distinct phases, or acts, must be present. The departure, the initiation, and the return. The departure act, also referred to as the separation, establishes the hero in his or her normal environment, the status quo, before a dramatic catalyst engages the call to adventure stage. In mythology, the call to adventure is often delivered by an animal, a symbolic representation of the hero's own instincts, which have otherwise been repressed or ignored. In pro wrestling, the call to adventure is usually supported by the actions of a heel, the attack of an unsuspecting champion, a surprise double-cross between friends or partners, an opportunistic breaking of the rules to gain an unworthy victory. These conflict devices serve as the primary fuel for the matches and angles of a promotion's never-ending narrative. The hero may willingly answer the call to adventure, or be forced to do so based on specific events unfolding in the world around them. In 1983, NWA heavyweight champion Harley Race placed a $25,000 bounty on Ric Flair's head, a desperate ploy to rid himself of the primary challenger to his crown. Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater orchestrated a brutal assault on Flair to collect that hefty bounty, forcing Flair to either retire or answer the call in order to maintain his status as number one contender. I didn't think that there was anything on the face of the earth that would ever push me to do what I'm going to do right now. But Flair, you have pushed me as far as you're going to push. Right here is $25,000. And it goes to any human being that can eliminate Ric Flair from wrestling. Take a look at it. Any human being that can eliminate Ric Flair for me has got $25,000 cash. I'll give it to any living human being. It's here for you. Come and get it, please. Somebody take the damn money. I want rid of Flair. Yes. <laughs> 
hurts, and I've paid the price, but I'm back, and I'm gonna stay. And our U.S. Slater will go to your grave because of me. You watch, and the fans thought, and the rest of the world is gonna hear about it. This is mine, my partner now. You are two against one. Well, I got a partner, and Bob Connell, light him up, because it'll be a cold day in hell when someone can walk out here and make fun of me, put me in a hospital, try to break my neck, try to end my career, and most of all, try to take the greatest sport in the world from me. It's mine! And race, I promise you, race, for paying those guys $25,000 before it's all over. I'll have a piece of you, and it's going to be that gold belt. Slater, it's only just begun. Now you're going to face Ric Flair one more time. In some instances, the hero may initially reject the call to adventure as they struggle to accept the new path placed in front of them. Various wrestling stories have tapped into this rejection of the call to adventure for added drama. Both Bret Hart and The Undertaker initially refused to engage their brothers, Owen and Kane, in 1994 and 1997 respectively. Even after both babyface characters suffered painful betrayals, neither could initially bring themselves to step into the ring with their own flesh and blood. But let's get to the matter at hand. He has challenged you to a match to prove to you, Brett, to prove to your whole family and everyone in the World Wrestling Federation that he does not live in your shadow, to prove that he is the better wrestler. Your response, will you accept the challenge? Um, let me, I, I know there's all kinds of people who would love to see that. I mean, people love to see any kind of a controversial fight. A fight, a great fight is a great fight. People thrive on that. And uh, I've never ever ducked any kind of a challenge. I never backed away from anybody. And uh, I, I would wrestle anybody. And uh, I, I like to uh, live up to those words to say I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be. And I take on anybody. But under no circumstances would I ever absolutely positively not ever step in the ring with my own brother under any circumstances uh i won't do it i was there's a point in in in, in this is as far as it'll go i I, uh, I will not fight my brother the most important aspect of the departure act is the crossing of the threshold stage also known as the threshold guardian this stage occurs once the hero accepts the call to adventure and willingly leaves behind the known limits of their reality. The hero will venture into a more dangerous and unknown realm to achieve a clearly defined goal. Once the hero crosses into the world of the unknown, there is no turning back. Only after this vital threshold is crossed can a hero enter the belly of the whale stage, which represents the ultimate separation of the hero from his or her known self in order to begin the transformation into someone or something greater. 
The willingness to transform represents the hero's understanding that he or she has a greater destiny than previously believed. Using an earlier example, the Undertaker finally accepting Kane's challenge and his willingness to become reborn served as a dramatic crossing of the threshold for the important character amidst the build to a dramatic match at WrestleMania 14. The second act of the hero's journey, the initiation, presents the hero with a series of challenges meant to prevent them from successfully completing the objective of the journey. These challenges are manifested in the road of trials stage. It is not uncommon for a hero to fail one or more of the challenges presented on the road of trials. The failure to meet a specific challenge represents the ongoing transformation within the hero that has not yet been completed. In wrestling, the failure to meet a challenge is the most basic creative catalyst to generate heat as a story builds. Dusty Rhodes' infamous rivalry with Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, particularly in 1985 and 1986, and Daniel Bryan's rivalry with The Authority in 2013 and 14, are two of the most well-known applications of the Road of Trials in wrestling history. The hero must confront that which holds the ultimate power in his or her own life, thus preventing them from fully transforming. Identified by Campbell as the Atonement with the Father stage, because mythology often represents this confrontation as one between a father and a son, this is the pivotal point of the narrative from which all before is led and all that follows moves from. In order to achieve atonement, the hero must let go of everything associated with his or her past life, things like ego, pride, or fear. Only after the hero displays faith in a greater power they fully transform into a pure version of themselves, allowing for the ultimate boon stage, where the prize of the journey is finally obtained. In mythology, the ultimate boon is often represented as something that transcends the world in which the hero resides, the holy grail, the fountain of youth, or fundamental truth. These are the things that can only be obtained by the pure of heart, body, and spirit. In pro wrestling, the ultimate boon can take the form of a physical championship or something more visceral, like justice. Bailey's turbulent road as an up-and-coming NXT competitor, which ultimately culminated in her groundbreaking feud with Sasha Banks in 2015, is a stellar example of how the road of trials and the ultimate boon stages can drastically elevate the audience's perception of a babyface. Having finally found whatever enlightenment or bliss the ultimate boon represents, 
the hero is left to complete the final act of the journey, aptly named The Return. In this act, the hero is often presented with one last challenge to escape safely with the boon. In the crossing of the return threshold stage, the hero successfully returns to his or her normal world with the added wisdom or power contained within that boon. Once again using Bailey's storyline from 2015 as an example, the character was forced to prove that she was in fact master of two worlds by putting her newly won NXT Women's Championship on the line in a rematch against Banks. The rematch, a grueling 30-minute Iron Woman match, used the psychology of the return threshold stage to solidify Bailey's ascension as a main event caliber character, rather than a dramatic underdog able to score a once-in-a-lifetime type upset. for and it's really a manifestation of his character and it's amusing the way in which the landscape and the conditions of the environment match the readiness of the hero the adventure that he's ready for is the one that he gets but then this can be seen also in the simple initiation ritual where a child has to give up his childhood and become an adult has to die, you might say, to its infantile personality and psyche and come back as a self-responsible adult. It's a fundamental experience that everyone has to undergo. We're in our childhood for at least 14 years, and then to get out of that posture of dependency, psychological dependency, into one of psychological self-responsibility requires a death and resurrection. And that is the basic motif of the hero journey, leaving one condition, finding the source of life to bring you forth in a uh, richer or more mature or other condition. A hero properly is someone who has given his life to something bigger than himself or other than himself. That's the message of the myth. You, as you know yourself, are not the final term of your being. And uh, you must die to that one way or another, in giving of yourself to something or in being annihilated, actually, physically, uh, to return, you might say, or to recognize. Life is always on the edge of death, always. And one should lack fear and have the courage of life. That's the principal initiation of all of the heroic uh, stories. Joseph Campbell's work in comparative mythology spanned close to 40 years. The popular scholar continued to refine his research on the monomyth and psychic unity right up until his death in 1987, making him the world's foremost expert on mythology in the eyes of many. The hero's journey narrative can be found in some of the most iconic myths in history, like the Odyssey, Oedipus Rex, and Beowulf. Stories included in the Old Testament of the Bible also embody the core of the hero's journey, most notably the stories of Moses and Noah's Ark. Literary classics like Moby Dick, Things Fall Apart, and A Catcher in the Rye also contain key elements of the hero's journey. Twenty years after Campbell first introduced the hero's journey archetype, storytellers began consciously drawing inspiration from his research, 
in order to manufacture compelling works of fiction. Director George Lucas was the first in a long line of filmmakers to publicly recognize Campbell as a direct influence. The Star Wars franchise is unquestionably the most commercially successful application of the hero's journey ever produced. When it comes to manufacturing the bond between a babyface and the audience, the hero's journey archetype is the most prevalent creative tool at a booker's disposal. Building a generic babyface that simply wins wrestling matches is not enough to sustain a lasting investment with most wrestling audiences. The babyface must possess qualities that inherently attract the audience in the first place. This can come in the form of a relatable personality, an intriguing gimmick, or a larger-than-life persona. Either way, it must be something that naturally inspires the interest of the fans. Once a babyface has the admiration of the audience, facing the adversity of the road of trials allows for a communal experience inherent to the wrestling industry. Sharing the pain of a hero's failures or the frustration of an egregious wrong committed against that hero ultimately enhances the desire to see that hero overcome adversity. Whether intentional or not, this concept served as the foundation of Vince McMahon Sr.'s booking philosophy, allowing Bruno Sammartino to become the first supreme hero in pro wrestling history. Later, his son would employ the same basic philosophy to create generational icons like Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin. The Road of Trial stage of Campbell's hero's journey played a prevalent role in territories like Jim Crockett Promotions, where heels enjoyed the upper hand on their babyface counterparts much of the time. For some babyfaces, like Dusty Rhodes, this strategy fueled compelling chases and made for explosive events with incredible heat. For others, like Lex Luger, the Road of Trials proved too long and ultimately caused many in the audience to divest in the hero they once supported. Whether in mythology, literature, or cinema, a hero's glorious return to the known world is usually where the story ends. Having earned whatever prize they set out to obtain, the hero is allowed to fade off into the sunset of perpetual bliss, while all in the known world live happily ever after. In pro wrestling, however, there is no fade into the sunset moment. The never-ending narrative that drives the medium is not conducive to happily ever after scenarios. Instead, heroes that successfully complete a journey must immediately embark on another journey if they are to maintain the relationship with the audience. Pro wrestling heroes routinely cross threshold after threshold as they journey through a promotion's universe, righting wrongs, settling scores, and acquiring championships. The repetitive nature of pro wrestling storytelling makes it particularly challenging to devise new and creative stories to keep the audience engaged. The most popular wrestling heroes throughout history have been presented in such a way that never fully breaks the bond with the audience even if the character takes a turn to the dark side for a period before returning to the light. Perhaps it's psychic unity, as Campbell ascribed, or perhaps it's just a compelling narrative structure that stimulates the human psyche in just the right manner. Whatever the reason, the hero's journey remains the most efficient way to create a powerful and profitable pro wrestling hero. The best wrestling journeys have that magic ability to transcend pro wrestling altogether, they speak to us on an emotional and psychological level. Like the great heroes of ancient mythology, the wrestling heroes associated with these exceptional stories achieve mythological status. The resilient enthusiasm of one generation then bestows their greatness onto the next, allowing captivating babyfaces to survive the passage of time 
and become true mythological legends. That is the weight supported by the hero pillar, making it an irreplaceable buttress of the pro wrestling storytelling construct. Next time on The Four Pillars. Behind every compelling hero stands a compelling villain. Heat has served as the lifeblood of pro wrestling since the industry's very inception. It's how the money of the pro wrestling industry is made. The heel pillar provides the fuel for that heat. Part two of the Four Pillars series, Heat Seekers, identifies three distinct archetypes that make up most any heel to ever step in the ring. We explore the role of heels in various promotions, and the psychology they exploited to help make compelling stories. That's next time on The Four Pillars, a four-part series presented by Wrestling With Art.